0: Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Kasperson. In this episode, I sit down with Meg Nakamura, co-founder and CEO of Apto Payments, which is a card issuance for businesses. In 2015, they launched the first Bitcoin debit card in the US. And in this episode, we talk about how Meg's Japanese background influences the way she leads in fintech why she's a firm believer in seeing opportunities through no matter how big or small, and her call on the industry to be more transparent, collaborative, and community-driven. I hope you enjoy this episode with Meg Nakamura. Meg, welcome to Humans of Fintech. I'm so excited to have you joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's uh, great to see you again. Really nice to meet at Money
1: 2020. I can't (laughs) believe it's been... I guess, you know, over a month even. But
0: uh, yeah, great to reconnect and, and see you again here. Yeah, of course. Well, to kick things off, I love having these conversations to start with really your background and how that really influences the way that you have entered our fintech industry. So I know that your parents are from... Tokyo, your family is Japanese, and you really kind of grew up and have having this vision for doing good in the world. It's been instilled in you at an early age. So maybe we can kind of start there and how your background has just influenced that and how that's personified today.
1: Well, I love what you're doing with the podcast. I love your focus on highlighting underrepresented groups, uh, whether I want to call it that or not, but uh, no, th- thanks for sharing. Um, yes, you're right, my parents are from Tokyo. Definitely had a very Japanese upbringing despite growing up in a middle-class, mostly white suburban neighborhood of, suburb of Chicago. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about how the Japanese culture or being raised in that environment has, has influenced me and, and the company that we're building today. One of the most simplest things to, to talk about is just access and my ability to to really do whatever I wanted to growing up and then like seeking the opportunity and, and taking the rope and, or, or I guess being provided the rope and then taking the rope and seeing things through. And, and so just having that opportunity and that access has really been informative to me. Uh, jumping ahead to Apto and, and what we're focused on, it is that bridge of FinTech and, and building card programs is historically or traditionally more of a gated gated community or a tight ecosystem that's hard to break into. So if we can be on the forefront providing access to entrepreneurs and companies to, to launch card programs, that's, that's really an easy bridge for me to talk about. As a funny thing, uh, uh, one of my colleagues always said like, Meg, I guess it's because you're Japanese, but all of our meetings start on time.
0: Like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, I love that. We can all use more of that. So not only was it instilled in you at an early age to provide access, which that is such a good point because Japanese culture really is about leveraging technology to make life genuinely easier, like in a way that is a little bit more effective almost than say what we get here in america right first of all subways i live in new york they're not ever on time <laughs> or the bus system thanks mta <laughs> um or rarely on time but also just like it feels like you know in silicon valley it's like okay if we can create an app that gets our food here faster our laundry here faster we're gonna focus on that as opposed to maybe like other things that could maybe help bring equity to financial systems all the time. You know what I mean? Like the focus is a little off sometimes. um, And that I think is a cultural thing. You
1: know, not to get too philosophical. I'm not at all a politician. Like I haven't studied politics or anything, but I do think it's interesting that society there works for the greater good and the large part of society, as opposed to any specific group. And Probably the easy thing for me to to point to it is very homogeneous. So you know that island nation thing makes that easier. But to the extent people feel connected and people feel like you're doing something for the greater good, I think it's a, it's a nice orientation.
0: So then joining the fintech space almost feels like a a natural evolution of that, right? Because I think for the most part the people I interview or that I write about, right, they, they join FinTech with that mission in mind, right? Like, great, I have this opportunity to combine technology into finance to make it less shitty and to give that access, right? Was that mission exposed to you early on when you joined FinTech or was it kind of like, oh, I can join this industry and later you realized you could do good with it? I love that you pieced it together. Uh, I wish that were genuinely the the
1: real story. Uh, (laughs) It sounds so nice the way you put it. Uh, So elegant. Uh, I would confess, however, though, that my story is more about opportunity and and more like seeing opportunities through. So my first job out of college, I met my co-founder. So since 2005, I've been working with my co-founder, which is pretty remarkable, And I got lucky in meeting Greg at a consulting company. He's a serial entrepreneur. How often do you meet serial entrepreneurs at consulting organizations? And uh, literally, it was his support and his mentorship and, and his friendship that got me to this point. It's the opportunity of meeting Greg, the opportunity of meeting a serial entrepreneur, the opportunity of getting great exposure to Silicon Valley, to startups, to company building, to even having the support to think that we could do this together or start a company. All of that comes together, Uh, of course, just because you're given the opportunity doesn't mean that everyone sees it through. So I'll I'll give myself credit for that. But uh, I do feel very lucky that it was more a bunch of things coming together.
0: Yeah. Well, and seeing opportunities through, right. I mean, it's not, I think that especially as, as women in male dominated spaces too, it can feel, it can be intimidating to see those opportunities through, right. Even just generally speaking, right. Women tend to be, they want to know all the answers before they, they see an opportunity through, right. They want to see facts they want to know things whereas say our male counterparts will just do the the jumping which you know we can kind of do a little bit more jumping (laughs) too we just need to find the confidence to do it and that's awesome that you had that instinctively you know without I mean were you fearless through it all
1: (laughs) I I guess in general I'm okay taking risks it's like what have I got to lose type of thing and, and maybe ignorance is bliss, right? Also when you're young, like you don't know what you don't know type of thing. Uh, again, like I wish I was so thoughtful in the way that you just presented. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's a mix, you're, you're right. I mean, those are the general realities and uh, it's interesting how they play out and manifest.
0: Well, take us back to, was it this moment that when you met your co-founder that made you realize that fintech would be this place where you would find this sense of belonging, or was there another? Is there another micro story there? With Greg, it, it's uh, it's more like we could do
1: whatever we put our minds to, and so it was the opportunity to to build a company and, and build a company that could really generate change and impact. So the silly joke i like to tell is consulting is great for consultants right consulting and consulting i learned a lot the client learned a little but nothing really (laughs) changed right like that like reality you you go through enough projects or you go through enough work and you're just kind of like all right well i learned a lot but nothing's changing so what can i do elsewhere or differently and you know not not to make a dig but i think financial institutions and regulators are always talking about financial access and financial inclusion and providing financial services to everyone. And that's just not the reality of how the world is. And so I, I think entrepreneurs and fintech really, were are actually all trying to move the needle there in a meaningful way. So it feels really good.
0: What were some of the mental obstacles maybe that you did have to overcome during this process, right? I mean, you've been if you met your, your your co-founder in 2005, which you're right, is remarkable um, that you're you're still together. You're still in a happy relationship. That's good. Um, but that's, you know, well before the word fintech was being tossed around in coins. So what were some of maybe the, the mental obstacles that you did have to go through despite being someone open to taking a risk?
1: in terms of how we actually started the company, we started at YC in summer of 2014. So we've been around for a while. And it goes way far back to the extent that YC at the time didn't have like a financial financial services or fintech lead or partner or strategy. Now fast forward to today, and the bulk of their go forward growth investments are, are absolutely fintech related. So when we were starting blockchain and Bitcoin was kind of like the scary thing out there that some people had heard about, but most people were like, "What is that crazy thing?" And it, it was just an interesting time. I also would say card issuance or uh, card programs. The, these words they mm. did not resonate. Marketo was not a household name. Investors were you know not confident on anything payments infrastructure related. Stripe was like the early darling, but, you know, people didn't know what to make of it at scale. And so it wasn't, you know, in this environment, all the wind is at fintech sales, but uh, it was certainly not that back in 2014, even.
0: Oh, man. Was there ever a point where you're like, is it worth doing this? People don't see card issuance as sexy. What am I can't compete against Bitcoin. What am I gonna do? Yeah. Did you ever have any of those like Yeah, moments of like, maybe I should not do fintech? Or was it just kind of always pretty positive?
1: Yeah, you know, it's uh to the point of your podcast and, and underrepresented groups. FinTech is still like very male dominated, like you said, and uh, very, you know, your partners in this industry tend to be of the generations that we we tend to talk about in terms of wanting to change, right? So, you know, it, it was a humbling experience, I guess, at least coming from consulting, it was one of those that you knew to expect some of that. But, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased that at least things are moving in the right direction these days and, and we're seeing some of that change. Did I ever think about leaving fintech or giving up on fintech? I mean, <laughs> you know, startups are a roller coaster, right? Like we'd be lying if we didn't say admit at least that much. But uh, I do think it's a place where you can create meaningful change and impact. So I think it's hard to find industries that you can feel as strongly about.
0: It's true, it's what's continued to draw me into wanting to be a part of the space and and exactly right, like build the, the platform that I have. I mean, I love that you've been so like persistent throughout the years, right? And kind of like I said, when did you maybe feel like, okay, apto is like here and here to stay, right? Like that moment of, all right, this is gonna work, right? Like we're not gonna be overshined by this or that, or, you know, in FinTech, we tend to be like interested in the shiny new object. But yeah, how do you kind of push past that mentality and you're like, Apto is working? I mean, I we died we almost died so
1: many times. <laughs> we had nine so lives. Many stories. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, at one point I, you know, this is when I don't know if I've shared this story publicly, but back in 2016 we were working with Venmo powering their debit card and then at one point, you know, unsurprisingly PayPal's like, we're going to take this over and replace you like Oh God! Now what do I do? Right? Like I can't, I can't raise money on a program that's not going to be with us for forever. Right? And uh, you know, was, you're a small team. It, card issuance is still not sexy in 2016. Your biggest customer is going away. You're like, oh my God, what do we do? And and at that time. The cool thing that we did have was a Coinbase debit card. And so at that point, I'm kind of like, well, you know, if if we're really, truly excited about Bitcoin and we're we're partnering with Coinbase, why not put our cash position in Bitcoin? And literally, that's what extended runway. If you think about that 2017 run up, we benefited from that. And so, uh, you know, sometimes better yeah. lucky than good, right? Um literally almost died then. So that's just like one of the many stories. But in terms of feeling like we've made it, I I will say that you probably hear this all the time, but the hardest thing really is recruiting the team and and having great colleagues. Over the course of eight years, I've worked with many different people and and had many different leaders of the company. But this set that we have right now is, is truly outstanding. And the fact that we've been able to scale the company and scale the team size and still maintain that like close knit community plus maintain that inherent trust in the company and the company culture has been a real win for me, and uh, it's it's something I'm really proud of.
0: I write about it often, right? Like, how do you actually create that like team and culture, and especially a diverse one, right? That is capable of sustainability, right? To be with you for for the long run, that is, a, that is a hard thing to accomplish. What is it about your team now though that makes you feel extra like, all right, this is like extra proud. Like you were so proud in that response. A colleague of
1: mine said this before we got to work together but he was saying, Meg, you wanna be a 50 person company but operate like you're 500 right? And so in fintech land or in an industry where you're moving people's money and you know you have to reconcile down to the penny, it really is professional services and it really is something that you can't muck up. You don't get a hall pass for something going wrong when it involves money. And, and so that level of maturity and professionalism, you have to earn it. And uh, I think those are some of the feelings that you get when, when you know things are clicking and working. You've done the right things, you've invested in the right areas, might not be the, the sexy, flashy stuff all the time, but the reliability and trust and knowing that your customers are can rely on you is, is really helps you sleep at night.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and you know to circle back to the original reason, and even if you didn't realize it at the time when you were entering fintech, I bet in unconsciously you were realizing like deep in your values, right? Like, oh, this industry is working for me or it's helping to fuel that that inner flame of mine that wants to to do good, right? And, and to help with that access and, and use technology to deliver that access to the finance industry. What would be like your piece of advice though for you know some of the other founders and, and CEOs that are that are listening to this that are also looking to build these teams that they can be proud of too? Like what do you look for or that type of thing? The advice
1: I think has to change and evolve with the reality of what work is like post-pandemic. I, know, or, I, uh, I, are I never know to say post-pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> It's challenging. It's hard to meet people. It's hard to know how people really are over Zoom. It, it's just you get snippets and it's it's hard to get enough data points. I think historically, if you're reading about how best to recruit, people might say, like, go for a walk with a person. Don't meet them in a conference room or take them on some random activities to see how they deal with it or you know you really want to get to know people before you hire them but it's it is really challenging especially if you're you're growing really fast so the cop out answer really is to have a great head of people or people person or someone that you can lean on for that uh, i am super super lucky that uh, my right hand person for many many years five plus years at the company he's just a jack of all trades and on the side as a side hustle he's he's an olympic weightlifting coach but this guy right like he's a coach and he cares about people and he cares about building a community and he cares about building the team and and making sure that you know all those intangibles come together and so i cannot put a value on on what ben provides but having someone on the people side is, is super, super valuable.
0: Well, I love how you kind of, you talked about like, almost like a community, right? In your own company, in your own team. It's like, we're serving communities. And also we need to have that internally, right? Because that also fuels the future perceptions of you know, future leaders, right? People that would want to be in your shoes one day, right? And kind of paving that, that pathway. And you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in, us here on earth should be providing or paving the way right for the, the next generation to, to want to be a part of the FinTech industry. And, you know, to your point of uh, or to our points, right. Of it being still largely dominated by one demographic. If we want to see that change, then, you know, we have to have people like Ben recruiting the right people and, and bringing that community internally. So we're not just serving communities externally, but we're also serving ours, internally. And I think that's super important, but probably easy to to lose track of given uh, the startup world and the, the chaoticness that is the, the fintech industries. So I can imagine that balance is challenging at times. I guess
1: going back to some of the Japanese influences, for better or for worse, I would say that historically Japanese companies have had sort of a lifetime employment philosophy, where you join a big company and, and you kind of rotate different roles every few years. And so the point of that is not that I want to provide lifetime employment, but philosophically, I want people to be with us for a very long time. And maybe like Google is the modern example of, of kind of being able to move roles, but I think growth is really important. And so we spend a, a lot of time and emphasis on learning and education or continuing learning and, and education. And so, you know, if people can grow with us Right, we we love to keep them. We don't want people to build a base here and then yeah. grow somewhere else. <laughs> right, we 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 want to retain those folks. So, so that's one. And I think again, like the people who are in HR, we've done a great job there.
0: I am actually thinking about kind of this, just this overall evolution. From you starting out, from the, the evolution even of this like conversation between your past and like your current position in the fintech industry, and having overcome all of the initial difficulties, or you know having nine lives in the fintech space, if you will, um, but you have accomplished so much. You've gone through the roller coaster that is fintech startup CEO founder land. You know, how do you feel maybe about your current position in the fintech industry, having overcome these initial difficulties and positives in your career? How are you feeling now? The generic thing to point to is
1: it's a chaotic market. It is just unprecedented and it feels like any day you're going to wake up and there's another shoe to drop type of thing. I mean, There's so many examples of, oh my God, can you believe that happened? Or oh my God, really? That that's the situation. So it's just it's crazy what's what's happening. And so, you know, where I'm going with this is in this market where maybe investors are spooked or it's a tough market to operate in. I'm excited that the best companies will survive and, and we'll get through this period. I think. The ones that maybe had less sound economics or commercials or revenue models, you know, these will all start to to work themselves out. And uh, having survived multiple (laughs) deaths or seeming deaths, you know, like you have to go through these moments. And this one's going to be a tough one, but uh, I do think it's an exciting period. And alongside small companies needing to survive. I do think big companies need to survive. And coming out of this, I don't know if it's a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, but the companies that do survive, fintech is going to be so exciting because the new companies now are going to be that much more mature and that much more scaled. And you know we'll be offering better technology across the board, which is a win for everyone, not just in fintech.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, we still are such a small percentage of financial services in reality right so there's still so much room to grow this is not the end of fintech folks just because things are a little doom and gloom basically is is what i'm I'm getting from you meg so that's right anyways i know i'm i like to present a positive future so as we are closing out the show i want to ask you my favorite question i ask all my guests and that is if we need to be the change that we want to see, what change do you wish to see in FinTech and how do you embody it?
1: So, one observation is that I feel there are many companies at or around our stage that have great potential to create that change that I talked about or disruption or evolution a couple years from now. I wonder, you know, like how you get from where we are today to, to even bigger scale. And I would hope, maybe if I had like you know, a genie <laughs> bottle, right? One of my wishes would be for, for better transparency, I think, and better collaboration. I think companies can work better together. I think data can be better shared. I think, you know, working together is a win-win as opposed to a zero-sum game specifically in our industry, I would say maybe fraud, right? Or fraudulent identities or attacks. Like if we can more openly share, then we can all be better protected and like work on better solutions together. I think, you know, in the fraud example, depending on who you're talking to, somebody says like, oh, well, they said their fraud rates are at X. And these guys said fraud rates are at like a hundredth of X. And it's just like apples and oranges. And until we can have an honest conversation, like we can't really tackle like those problems and work together on it. I think identity fraud and hacks are happening all the time. And it's it's just like, you know, if we can work together on it, we're, we're all better protected as opposed to trying to be better than everyone else and operating in our own silos. So, uh, I would say transparency would be amazing, and one of the ways in which we embody transparency at Apto, at least, is transparency amongst the company, information sharing. Of course, like, there's a very small amount of information that you can't share widely, but we really do try and be as transparent as possible because we we really inherently trust our folks and and we want people to be making the best decisions at all times based on all the information that uh, well
0: said well said i think you're so right and i think it might be something the kind of the collaboration and community over competition is something that we are going to probably see more of as we eventually come out of the chaotic market that we're in right like that might be the one of the results right is hopefully i would hope so is because you're so right at the end of the day if we can operate more of like as like a fintech almost community and not see each other like we're too small guys to still be seeing each other as like such competition like the competition is the more traditional or outdated financial system that we need to restructure right when we're building something new So we gotta do it together, or else how are we gonna talk? Like, how are we actually gonna make a dent in this thing? How are we gonna go from being, you know, one percent of financial services to ninety nine percent? You know, like the traditional firms. So, I'm with you. Not all of us are gonna be J.P. Morgan Chase
1: years from now, right? Like, we're 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 gonna gonna have to to do everything to make
0: (laughs) it happen. So, gosh, no, such a good point. Oh my gosh. Well, final question for you, Meg. What is one piece of advice you would give to listeners here who maybe still feel like outsiders or like they haven't found their belonging yet in fintech?
1: I'll, I mean, I'll confess entrepreneurship or being a founder, it it can be lonely at the top. Uh, I think surrounding yourself with the right friends who, who can be your sounding board and your confidant uh, certainly is critical <laughs> to making it through. Chances are, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say 100%, but like 99% of the time, whatever you're facing or whatever challenge you're going through, someone has gone through it before and you just need to know that person to be able to talk talk about it and work it through. And I think asking for help along those lines is, is the other side of the coin. But just being, again, open to, to needing help or wanting help or seeking advice People are out there and people want to help. And so I think being open to that and seeing things as a positive, despite how difficult or challenging something might seem, is is always going to help you in the end.
0: A perfect way to end this conversation, Meg, all the way from talking about your roots in Japanese culture to building community within and outside of the industry and circling to transparency and helping others build a community even in fintech so that they feel like they belong too thank you so much meg for this awesome conversation thank you for being open and honest and all of the gems that you've shared thank you nicole it's great to see you again had a lot of fun doing this Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too.